uh, welcome back to those of you who are traveling. I know that a lot of us are still traveling, uh, and I know that in the next coming weeks, um, people are starting to come back. But uh, don't think that you know people are on vacation and the church are emptier, that there are no new people. Actually, I, I met with uh, two new people this morning. You know, we have Saul uh, from Bottle, we have uh, Ali here, and then we have uh, parents that are sending their kids here. So I just want you to just uh, be aware of them and welcome them uh, into, uh, into the church. Uh, again, if you are new to this church, I just want to say welcome, and I hope that you can make this church as part of your uh, faith journey and make this your home church. Amen? Uh, before I share my word, I want to invite uh, Karista uh, to come forward. <clears throat> Karista has been with us for a couple of years here serving in our music ministry. Uh, she graduated this year, uh, and she's returning back home to New York. Uh, yeah, that's her hometown. Uh, her family are in New York. So um, let's... let's bring you up here, Karista, because we want to pray for you. Uh, I know that this is not kind of a farewell because she might be back. You know, if she gets a job here, uh, maybe she will be back, right? Uh, yeah. So, but, but we still want to pray over her. Uh, so, uh, and also appreciate you for, for what you have done. And we are very thankful for the friendship that we have. Church, would you just uh, lift up your hands and we'll just support her in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for this wonderful woman of God. Father God, thank you so much for allowing Carista uh, in this past few years, Father God, to be a part of this community. We are so blessed by her friendship, by her uh, words, by her prayer, by her ministry, and by her being here, Father God. We really take it, we do not take it for granted. We are very thankful. We're very appreciative of that. And today, Father God, we want to pray over her. We want to anoint her. Father God, as she goes back home to New York uh, next week, Father God, we want to pray that you will bless her, that you will allow her to bring your favor upon her and her family and the people around her in, in the city where she comes from. Father God, I pray, wherever you lead her, Father God, we know that you will open doors that no one can shut. And once you bless her, you will allow her to just enjoy the blessing and be able to bless other people too. Again, I speak protection. I speak Jesus over you and your family and the community around you in New York City. And I pray that your blessing be upon her. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes. Uh, that's part of, uh, of this church because we have a lot of college students. Uh, you know, every, every year we have people that graduate, we have uh, people that comes in. Um, but that's the beauty of this church is that uh, the footprints of our ministry are all over the world. Uh, you know, sometimes we as uh, pastors, leaders in this church, we get this courage. Uh, because, you know, we make friends with them for two years, four years, six years, uh, and they, they left us, you know. Uh, but a few years ago, I think about 10 years ago, a pastor, actually maybe Pastor Rajan, was the one who actually uh, kind of gave me a word of encouragement when I was kind of discouraged because like so many people left the church, you know. At one, one given time, let me tell you uh, some secret of what's going on. is that At one time, uh, I forgot which year, maybe six, seven years ago, Basically, after that summer, we only have one person left in our worship team. That's how bad it is, okay? There's only one person. But how many of you know that this is not people's church? This is not a human church. This is God's church. 
and God will provide, right? We pray that summer because we know that that fall, we anticipate only one person left on this stage worshiping and, and leading worship. We pray, and that fall, God provided us with a full team of people that are ready to go, that, that love Jesus, and th that are ready to serve Him. Isn't that amazing? You know, in the summer, we don't have anyone. By fall, we have a full team here. So, so I just want you to know that, you know, when we are in the presence of Jesus, when we trust Jesus, and when we worship Jesus, He is not a mere human, but He is God that is alive and that can move and can bring miracles over our lives. So I'm very excited, uh, you know, even though we have uh, all these students going back, like Risa going back to, uh, to New York, we have people going back to, uh, to Indonesia and to different parts of the world, uh, but I, I always get, uh, you know, updates from them uh, of the amazing things that happened to them. You know, there's one time, uh, a number of years ago, we have a Chinese student from China, um, I, I forgot which city she was from. Uh, she had never heard the gospel. She had never heard about Jesus. Uh, she came here. She was reached out by, uh, by the care group. Uh, she grew. She received Jesus. She went back to China, and she evangelized her whole family. Okay, she evangelized her whole family, and her sister and her mom and dad received Jesus, and she came back here to, to, uh, to have a vacation in the U.S., and she stopped by Seattle, and I, have, I had the honor of baptizing the whole entire family in Nexus Hotel, swimming pool. Come on. I'm excited. I'm excited for what's to come because we are serving not a God that's mere human, but we are serving a God that is alive, that is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Amen? Uh, welcome again to FJ Seattle. Welcome to the month of September. Oh my God, you know, it's crazy. And uh, to those of you who are new to Seattle, uh, you can feel a little bit of a tense when you arrive in Seattle in the month of September because... Uh, the, the change of season is very dramatic in the month of September and October. You know, we have the high of the summer. You know, we go picnic, we go hiking, we do all this fun stuff, traveling, and then suddenly October comes. Okay. But thank God, God is good. He designed Thanksgiving and Christmas to pick us up again in our moon. Amen. <laughs> I'm so proud of Ariel. How many of you are amazed by Ariel? Oh my goodness. Maybe if we can invite her again uh, in the next couple months to maybe do an expanded preaching of what she's trying to say, you know. Uh, I, I'm very excited, but it was too short. Uh, maybe I'll talk to her and her parents, you know, one of these days. Uh, I love our kids' church, you know. There's, they always have a lot of stuff, you know, to, to tell you, a lot of wisdom uh, from our children, from, from our youth. And today, I want to share with you uh, six wisdom that we got from our children. Are you guys ready? Number one, this is from Pat, this is not from our church kids, this is not from our church kids church, this is from other, other uh, kids, this is from Patrick H. 10. He said, never trust a dog to watch your food. Very smart, right? See, kids very smart. Michael, age 14, said, when your dad is mad and asks you, do I look stupid? Don't answer. <laughs> it's very smart, very smart. Another Michael said, never tell your mom her diet's not working. <laughs> They're so smart. These kids are so smart. Lauren, age nine, said, felt markers, permanent markers, are not good to use as lipstick. <laughs> Joel, age 10, said, 
Don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. <laughs> Last one, Eileen, age eight. He says, never try to baptize a cat. <laughs> so here we are officially at the end of summer. Uh, soon the grade school kids are going back to school. The college kids are also returning to, to the campuses. Uh, you know, the hustle bustle of life will begin again. Uh, to those of you who have been, uh, you know, kind of slacking hard during the summer, now you have to re-engage uh, through your work, through ministry, and through everything. So life becomes busy again. I don't know about you, uh, but life can be very stressful. Okay? I felt that as the older you grow, the older you are, the more things you worry about. You know, like myself, like, what about my finances? What about my job security, especially in this season, right? We have heard uh, just a few days ago, T-Mobile uh, is laying off 401 uh, person here in, in the city of Seattle area. Uh, can I get a job to those of you who just graduated this past summer? Uh, or can I survive after I graduate? Um, what about my kids, you know? Uh, are they safe? Um, you know, my, I'm, I'm in also a transition because my, my oldest is going to college next week. Uh, so he's checking into his dorm. And the, the question comes, how about my kids? How about my son? You know, who has been living in my house, in my care, in my watch, in my, uh, uh, you know, in my everything. Suddenly now he's living on his own in the dorm. Is he going to be safe? What kind of friends is he going to, uh, to engage with? Uh, what about uh, my marriage? You know, some of you might be struggling in your marriage. Will your marriage survive this storm? Uh, or maybe some of you are praying and caring for your loved one who are sick. Will they overcome these illnesses? What happened to them? Will God really heal them? So there's so much question and worry and anxiety that goes through life as you grow older, right? And then it says this, there is a quote, um, it's tweetable, but it's not from me, so please don't put my name as a credit. It says, worrying does not take away tomorrow's troubles, but it takes away today's peace. By worrying, you are not taking away the troubles of tomorrow, but by worrying, you are actually taking your peace today. Okay? Can, and in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, he says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Right? So how many of you, like me, I'm a worrier? You know, I'm not a warrior, I'm a worrier. You know, I, I like to worry even things that never happen, I worry it first. So sometimes, you know, people around me will say, Pastor, 75% of what you worry will never come through. Which is true. I don't know how many of you think that way, you know. You're worried about something, but 75% of what you worry actually never happened. So... Why worry too much, right? But again, I, I'm speaking to myself, you know, like, why you worry so much? You know, you are such a worrier. God asked you to be a warrior, not a worrier. But still, when life happens, you worry, right? And then when you worry, the, I don't know about you, but for me, I, and I know a lot of people, when you worry, the first thing that you lose is your sleep, right? How many of you lose sleep over your worry, right? It's very common. It's just what happened to all of us. We worry and we lose sleep. Uh, that's why I, I shared with some of you in, the, in one of the Bible study. That's why Jesus was asleep in the storm. Why? Because whoever can sleep in their storm can master over their storm. I think it's, it deserves an amen, right? Come on, amen. How many of you know that worry also leads to fear? Worry and fear is like peanut butter and jelly. 
they always come together. Okay? They always go hand in hand. And a life of fear will lead us to sicknesses and the absence of peace, which is not good. Right? Again, I'm talking to myself here. And how many of you know that there are 365 verses in the Bible that began with fear nots? So actually God has a verse for every single day to tell you, fear not, worry not, okay? I want to share with you a story which is kind of funny, not funny. Uh, it's from John chapter 11. So if you have your Bible, you can open up in John chapter 11. And we're going to stay in John chapter 11 for the next 10 minutes. And we're going to unpack this very strange story about Jesus and his good friends, okay? Let's begin, okay? John chapter 11, verse 1 to 6. Guess which version I'm going to use? <laughs> NASB. NASB. Okay. I know, I always use the MSG version, but for today, NASB. Verse 1, chapter 11. John chapter 11. He says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. And it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So this is a family. Okay, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, they are all family. They are all siblings. So the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, behold, him whom you love is sick. So underline that word, he whom you love is sick. Okay, because I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But when Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness is not meant for death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Parenthesis, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Two times, okay? The, the verse mentioned that Jesus loved this family. Two times. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Stop there. Kind of strange, isn't it? He said, Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loved Lazarus and her sister. Je uh, Jesus, uh, Lazarus, whom Jesus loved, was very sick, almost dying, and Jesus stayed there. What? Come on, Jesus. Hurry up. You know, take the Lamborghini if you can. Because Lazarus is very sick. He doesn't have enough time. Why are you dilly-dallying? Do you guys know what's dilly-dallying? It's a Singaporean word. You know, he said, why are you dilly-dallying? Why are you delaying? You should just stood up and run as fast as you can. Take your Mustang, your horse, you know, and run and be there as fast as possible. But he says, Jesus loved Lazarus and he stayed there two more days. I don't know how many of you have heard promises upon your life. You have prayed for something in your life urgently, desperately, and there's no answer. God's not moving. What's going on? You know, how do you feel? Be honest. How do you feel? How do we respond in such a time like that? I can tell you, it's not easy. Okay? A lot of holy people might say, Oh, God is good. God is never late. Yeah. But really, when you are in that situation, really, how do you feel? I tell you the truth. It's not easy. 
You know how I feel? I say, you know what, God, that's it. That's okay. I will step in and take control. I think you just, you probably not able to resolve this. I will take control over the situation, isn't it? Some of us are like that. We are stepping into the God zone and trying to take control over your situation. I just met uh, actually yesterday, no, not yesterday, on Friday uh, with a mom and dad that just lost their son. Okay, their son was quite young and he died in an accident. And he told me that same story. He said, why? He, is, he was such a good son. He was such an obedient son. He cared for our family. Why God took him away from me? What do I respond as a pastor? I said, oh, it's okay. God is good. God is God's will. You know, of course not. Because my heart was broken as I was listening to their story too because this is the reality of their lives. This is the reality of your life. Jesus, after hearing Lazarus, whom he loved so much, was so sick, he stayed back two days longer. Why? How many of you asked that question? Why? Why don't you come sooner? Why don't you heal this person? Why don't you restore this marriage? Why don't you talk to my parents? Why don't you talk to my wife, to my husband? Why? Why me, Lord? After listening to Lazarus, he said, I will stay because he loved them so much. Jesus stayed because he loved them so much. I know it sounds cliche, okay? When I, when I wrote this, I was like, it sounds so cliche. Because he loved me, he waited. I don't think that sounds right. But the reality is that because Jesus loved Lazarus, he waited. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a reason why he stayed. But the fundamental reason is because he loved Lazarus. And sometimes the reason that he kept quiet and he, you know, you, he, he, you felt that like he was late or he did not move is because he loved you. There is a reason why he stayed back. There is a reason why he delayed his coming. To us, it's delayed coming, but to him, of course, it's not delayed coming. It's planned coming, okay? In verse 17, he says, come on, Jesus. Let's get moving. Hurry up. How many of you prayed that prayer? You know, sometimes I pray that prayer. Come on, God. I prayed for this for a year. Come on. Get moving already. In verse 17, when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Talking about late. This is late, late. Somebody who not only just recently been dead, this person has already been dead for four days. So this is completely late. Okay? Why would Jesus wait for this long? Didn't it seem late to you? How many of you feel that like this is crazy? Right? When I read this, I'm like, Jesus, come on. This is crazy. You let the family mourn. You let the family wait. You let the family be so anxious. Why, God? Aren't you supposed to love him? To us, yeah, it seems late. But to God, He knew exactly what He would do and what will happen to Lazarus. In fact, 
In fact, Jesus actually hinted at them already in verse 4. Okay? In verse 4, just now, actually Jesus has already told the people what will happen to Lazarus. Okay? And this is what happened in verse 4. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he said, this sickness is not meant for death. But it's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. How many of you have heard sermons, teaching, or advice, or the Word of God, of a certain Word of God, or promises, that we actually need to look back? That's why it's very important for us to look back into the Word of God. Because the Word of God sometimes reminded us of the character of God. Okay? Verse 4, it says, The sickness was not meant for death. This is for God's glory. But even both Martha and Mary, and myself probably, they felt that God's timing wasn't perfect. They both made the same statement. You know, in John 11, verse 21 and 32, he says, Lord, if you have been here, this sounds very Christian-like, but if I were there, it's like, God, if you have been here earlier, my brother will not have died. Okay, let's continue reading. Verse 30, jump to verse 30. John 11, verse 30. Now Jesus has not yet come into the village. What's going on? Why is Jesus so slow? He, you know, after a number of days, he hasn't even arrived yet at Lazarus. He was still at the village a little bit outside of where Lazarus was and was still at the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with him in the house were consoling her. And when they saw that Mary had gotten up quickly and left, they followed her, thinking that she was going to the tomb to weep there. So when Mary came to the place where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Therefore Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping. He was deeply moved. He was deeply moved. I just want you to know, I know it sounds cliche, but Jesus cares for you. He really cares for you. I know it sounds so cliche when I say that, especially coming from a pastor, you know. But really, He cares for you. Whatever your circumstances, whatever, whoever you are, it moved Him. It moved Him deeply. Really, today, Jesus is still being moved by you. And he was troubled too. He knew the circumstance. He was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? Where have you laid Lazarus? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. He really cares. He wept. He cried for you. You know, his heart is broken for you. Today, still today, Jesus cared for you. Jesus wept for you. So the Jews were saying, again, if you have your Bible, Underline wherever the word juice, okay? Because I'm going to go back to that word again. The Jews were saying, the Jews were there. The Jews followed Mary. The Jews saw what happened. The Jews heard what happened. The Jews, okay? So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. Even the Jews know that Jesus loved Lazarus. But some of them said, could this man who opened the eyes of the man who was blind not have also kept this man from dying? Underline that word. I'm coming back there too. Verse 38, so Jesus again being deeply moved within, again, the word of God says Jesus was deeply moved by Lazarus, deeply moved by you, deeply moved by me, came to the tomb, and now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time, there will be a stench. Basically, Lord, come on, it's too late. He's decomposing. 
He's not, not going to live anymore. This is over. Game over. For he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? The question to you and to me is, do you believe? Do you believe? What happened if it seems too late? Do you believe? What happened if God answered differently? Do you believe? What happened if it seems that He is late? What's your attitude? Do you believe? Verse 41. So they removed the stone and Jesus raised His eyes and said, Father, I thank You that You have heard me. But I knew that You always hear me. Nevertheless, because of the people standing around. Who are the people standing around? The Jews, okay? Underline. The people standing around. That's the reason why God is trying to do this. is for the people that are standing around. So that they may believe that you sent me. Okay? And when he had said this thing, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Out came the man who had died. Game over? No! Not for God. For us, it's game over. But for God, nothing is impossible. Even those that have decomposed, God raised him up from the dead. Man, it's amazing. Then this guy, bound hand and foot with wrappings, face was wrapped around with a cloth, and he said to them, unbind him, let him go. We know this, the end of this story, right? It's a wonderful story. Jesus brought a dead man to life. But the, 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 the story I'm trying to focus on is not Lazarus coming to life. The story that I want to focus on is what happened between that cry of Martha and Mary before the resurrection of Lazarus? What happened to you during that time before your prayers answered, before the miracle happened? What happened to us? What is our attitude? Do we really sing like that song, I trust in you? That's why I trust in you. Because you answered. Of course, when God answered, you trust Him. <laughs> but what happened if God doesn't answer according to what you have prayed? Do you still trust Him? You know, last week I was so amazed. I, it resonated with me when Kenny shared, by the way. By the way, I want to invite you guys, come. You know, 10, how many, I don't know how many of you know that 9 o'clock we have a prayer meeting here. For everyone, all of you are invited. Okay, come and pray together with us. Last week, Kenny was sharing in the deepest probably of your own hurt, of your own frustration. He said that a lot of times he put God in the box. And it resonated with me because I put God in, in my box. When I prayed, when I asked God, I always tell him exactly which box he needs to be in. I put him in the box of my expectation. I put him in the box of my own capacity. I put him in the box of my own will. I put him in the box of my own desire. I put him in the box of my own answer. God, I want you to answer A. Not B, not C, not D, not Z. A. Even though God knows that A wasn't the best answer for us, we insist God no. Go into that box and answer A for me. But God says, no. You're not going to put me in the box because your answer was not supposed to be A. Your answer was B. 
I know, for Asian parents, please don't shock yourself, don't choke yourself like, B? B? No, 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 this is not about grades. This is just options, okay? I know some of the, some of the Asian parents are like, why you want God to answer B? It has to be A. No A, no good. I just came back from a trip, you know. Some of you know that uh, my, my relationship with my dad wasn't that fantastic. But a couple weeks ago, we were able to celebrate my dad's 50th, my dad and mom's 50th year wedding anniversary. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very thankful for that. I'm very grateful. Uh, I know sometimes my brother's uh, logged in into the live stream, so he is listening too. I'm very grateful because as, as they were celebrating, it reminded me back of my time when I was having so much tension with my dad, you know. Uh, one day, I, I was telling my son, I was like, you're very lucky because you didn't even ask for a car, I bought you a car, okay? I begged for a car, and my dad says, give me A. And I wasn't an A student, I got to admit, okay? I barely could make a C. So to get to an A, this is miraculous. It will require God to move mountains, seriously. But because of my desire to get that car, I study hard just for the sake of that car. Once I get that car, I'm going back to my seat. Okay. But my dad was smart. I, after I got my first A, I sent the, the report card. He says, no, 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 not one A. Three quarter, three consecutive quarter of A. It's like, oh man, man, that was almost a year, you know, but I work hard. And finally, I got that three consecutive quarter of A, which is mir miracles for me, okay? And I said, Dad, here you go. He said, by the way, I just found out over the past few months that A wasn't the best. What? <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> he said, because my friend, you know, I hate when my parents say, my friend, then I will be harmed by that statement. <laughs> Nothing good come out when my friend said that their children got an A+. Plus. <laughs> Which friend again? <laughs> you know? So now, fourth quarter, I want you to get an A+. Plus. How do you get an A+. Plus? I have no clue. <laughs> In my years of education, I've never seen a plus after an A. <laughs> I didn't even know that existed. So I talked to the, to the counselor, look, what does it take for me to get a plus after the A? He said, oh, you have to do this extra, whatever, 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 you know. I was like, wow, now I'm in the realm of the academics. <laughs> it's amazing. It's really amazing. Why am I saying that? I was talking about putting God in a box, you know. But what I'm trying to say is that sometimes... I just want to wake you guys up. I just want to wake you guys up, okay? I'm, I'm finishing up. I'm finishing up. Sometimes we put God in a box because we thought that is the answer that is needed in our lives. But no. A wasn't the answer. It could be B, it could be C, whatever God's will is. In Lazarus' case, is that I want him to decompose. So What? Then, when God did not move within that parameter of my box, I became anxious, and I lost peace, I lost sleep, and then I start to grumble. Ah, God, for goodness sake, what's going on, God? Jesus, 
I use the word Jesus in the church. I use the word Jesus when I curse too. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> like, Jesus, you are my Lord. And then when I'm upset, Jesus. What is the deal with my life? I need repentance. Something is wrong with me. But that is what happened. So go back to the question, okay? I want to finish with this. So why did Jesus wait for two more days before he departed to see Lazarus? Remember just now the, the, the thing that I want you to underline? The first word is the Jews, right? The reason why Jesus wants to wait for two more days is because Jesus needs to prove something to the Jews. He needs to make a statement to the Jews, okay? Number two is because Jesus wants the Father to, de- to be glorified to the maximum so that people can receive Jesus and receive salvation and repentance. That's, that's one of the goals that Jesus is thinking, you know, His plan. Of course, we do not know. We never understood why God planned this way, right? In Isaiah, He says His plan is always higher than our plan. His thought is always better than his, our thoughts, right? So we never understand. Like that mom that I, I met two days ago, I can't tell her what's God's plan. I can't tell her exactly how to comfort her. I can only say, trust Him because He loves you. Whatever the reason is, the, lay, the underlayment is because He loves you. Just like the Word of God says, He loved Lazarus, therefore He waited for two more days. So I found, I found you know, in my research to this question, I found a scripture in the Jewish Talmud, which is the ancient Jewish Bible, in Yevamot chapter 16, verse 3, it tells me why God needs to do this. Let, let's read very quickly, okay? And it says this. You can, if you guys can read the, that word, you are very academic. You are the A-plus student. So I'm not trying to attempt to read that. I'm reading the English. It says, furthermore, one may not testify that a person died until his soul actually departs. These are what the Jewish people believe. This is their belief, okay? And even if one saw him cut open and severely wounded or crucified or with a wild animal eating parts of him, he may not testify that he died. I wonder why Jesus uh, was risen from the dead three days, not one day, not 24 hours. Not eight hours later, but three days later, because God, Jesus is cool. He wants to make a statement, okay? And here's the statement. Hey, my Jesus is cool, man. He says, additionally, one may testify to someone's death only when the body was witnessed up to three days following the death and not after death, since the appearance may change due to decomposition. That's why Jesus waited because he wants to tell the Jewish that I am the sovereign God. You said that three days this person will be officially dead, I will wait for four days. You think that I can only do the minimum? I will go the extra day and I will tell you, I will show you that I am a sovereign God. How many of you believe that the Jesus that you worship is a sovereign God? Okay, he waited for that, those Jewish people to see and to know that no, I am not mere mortal. I am God of God. That's why he waited. At this point, Jesus was trying to bring a new revelation to his friends and disciples and to those Jewish people because this case will also be a foreshadow of his own death and resurrection. Because up to this point, Actually, Jesus had only done miracles of healing people from sicknesses to avoid death. 
up to this point. He has never risen people up from the dead. And in order for the disciples to believe that he can be the resurrection, he needs to show the disciple that I can resurrect the dead before I die. And this is, by the way, this story is just a few moments before his arrest, before he is being arrested and uh, taken to the cross. So isn't that very timely in all of these things? We may not understand. Maybe to you, it's like, yeah, you know what Jesus was trying to prove was not fair, you know, bringing Lazarus and the family, going through those anxiety and grief. I don't understand. I can't tell you why Jesus did that thing. But I just want you to know that he loved Lazarus. Therefore, he waited. Okay? Verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said to, to her, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Because the one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I shared this sermon to this mom and dad just two days ago. You know, they got a preview of my sermon, actually, because I was so grieved, I was so heartbroken that I shared this sermon. And when, when we get to this verse, chapter 25, suddenly she lied up. She said, you know what, Pastor? I think this is the hope. The hope of my faith is that I will see my son again. Though he's dead, he's alive in Christ. Whatever Jesus did was very intentional. The timing of his action was no accident. You know, the end goal for all this waiting was for God to be glorified by Jesus' action and people to come to the new truth that will cause them to trust God. So the question to you is, do you believe? Do you believe? You know, we find peace not in the absence of problem, but we find peace in the presence of Jesus. Amen? Let's all stand. Even when we don't understand how God works with our limited human perspective, we can put our trust in His character, just like Martha, Mary, Lazarus. Jesus loves you and me. And he has compassion towards you. Jesus deeply cares for you. Really. Trusting Jesus is hard. I, I know, I have to admit it. Trusting Jesus is hard. Because sometimes we don't understand him. It requires following the unseen into the unknown. How many of you have experienced that? You know, trusting Jesus is following the unseen into the unknown. And believing that Jesus... Words over and against the threats we see or fears we feel. It's hard. But I just want you to know that in that moment, trust. Trust His character. Trust that He loves you. Trust that He deeply cares for you. And whatever plan, whether it may look like it's plan B, plan C, plan D, or F, is for your good. Really, I know it sounds cliche but there is nothing else to say. He loves you, He deeply cares for you, and His plan is always the best for you, even though we may not understand it at that time. The question to you today is, even He never answered your question or He never answered according to your expectation, do you still believe Him? Do you want peace in your life? What if I tell you today that peace can only be experienced in the relationship with Jesus and in the presence of Jesus? Do you want it? Do you want to enter into it?
if you have not received Jesus into your life and make Him as your personal Lord and Savior and declare that He is your firm foundation, just like that song. Today, there is an invitation to enter into that relationship, to receive salvation, peace, and hope in your life. There are some of you here today, you have come to church week after week, even while you, after you were born. Your parents take you there. But the question today is for you personally. Have you, you, not your parents, not, I'm not asking you if you have ever been to church, no. You personally, have you ever with your mouth, with your heart, with your mind, declare, Jesus, I want to enter into this relationship with you. I want to receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. There is an opportunity today. As we sing this song, I want to pray for those of you who have never been given the chance to receive Jesus. And I want to pray over you. Okay? As we sing this song, let the Word of God dwell among you and the Spirit of God convict you to move, okay? Again, this is not about your parents. This is not about your friends. This is just you, personally. Finding that relationship. Go ahead. Yes, Lord.